Let's pray. God, I, uh, I thank you for today. Father, I, Lord, I do. I thank you, uh, Lord, as Joe was singing that song, uh, Lord, that, that snapshot of heaven. Um, Father, that snapshot where there will be an eternity for all of us. And for many of us in this room, it will be the sound of angels. It will be praising you for all of eternity. Um, Father, I thank you for that snapshot here on earth. Um, and we anticipate, um, with great anticipation, Father, um, having better voices and singing to you. <laughs> we love you. In your name, amen. Uh, we are in the second to last week of this uh, series uh, that we have called uh, The Biblical Recipe for Success. And uh, we, we looked at this verse. We've been looking at this verse, uh, uh, Proverbs 3, uh, 3 and 4, that says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness uh, forsake you. Uh, bind them around your neck. We talked about commitment. Uh, write them on the tablet of your heart. We talked about heart. That's the recipe. Uh, and then we talked about the outcome. The verse goes on to say, so that you may experience uh, or may, you may have uh, favor with God and success with uh, God and man. And so today, uh, second last week, we're going to look at, okay, if, if we're doing those things, if we have uh, steadfast love, if we have faithfulness, if, we, if, we're, if we're striving for that, what are some of the anticipated results? And uh, last week we looked at favor and this week we want to look at what does it mean to have success with God? Uh, how will I know if I'm living a successful life? How will I know if my king sees me as successful? Uh, growing up, uh, I used to drink uh, probably about a two liter of soda uh, every day uh, and struggled uh, with weight throughout my life. Uh, in fact, early on in our marriage, uh, my biggest fight with Ava till to date has been uh, a fight over soda. I poured her a half a glass of soda. She said, don't treat me like a kid. I said, don't waste soda. And bada bing, bada boom, we're still here. So praise God. Uh, anyway, so uh, soda's always been a big deal. And, uh, and so... Uh, uh, I have now kind of cut it out of my life outside of the occasional Coke Zero, if you will. Uh, but growing up, whenever I you know, was struggling with weight, uh, the second I cut soda out of my diet, I dropped my soda 10 pounds. Uh, I would quickly lose 10 pounds just by cutting out soda out of my diet. And uh, in those moments, I had uh, researched, I guess you could say, uh, the impact on soda in your body. Uh, and did you know, uh, I'm not a carpenter, but what I hear is that if you have a rusty nail, you can get rid of the rust by putting it in some soda. And a few hours later, the, the rust starts to dissolve and you can use said nail again. Uh, I've heard that. And then I Googled this, this week to make sure that as I, as I talk about it, that I'm not telling you guys a bunch of you know, nonsense. Uh, and when I Googled it, Google actually said that if this nail stays in this uh, soda for four days, in four days, that nail will completely dissolve. And you wonder what it's doing to your tum-tum. Uh, and so like, I, I, I saw that early on in like, my high school years, my college years, and I was like, okay, if that's the impact that soda can have on a nail, what's the impact that it can have on my body? And so I was like, okay, like, I'm going to cut that out. And the fruit of that was I quickly lost 10 pounds and then had a really fight from there. Uh, and so the thing is, what we want to use with that is that when we know something, the Bible talks about the wise person knows something and then does something with what they know. The Bible talks about fruit. 
So the fruit that you produce out of your life is a great indication of what you know if you are using what you know. What we want to look at today is we want to examine, okay, if what is being produced out of my life, what would it say to other people and of God of what I know and understand of my king? We're going to look at two sets of people, some that understood the king and acted accordingly, another that understood the king within reason, but then chose to do something different. Point being, if, uh, if God has invested in you, the Holy Spirit, can he expect a return on investment? What could he expect to be flowing out of your life based on what he has invested into you, the precious Holy Spirit? And so here's, here's a parable, a story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25. It says this, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted, a key word, entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two talents uh, and another one. Each according, important, according to his ability. Then he went away. Uh, who had received, he who had received the five talents went at once, immediately traded with them and made five talents more. He also, so also was the one who had two talents, made two talents more. But uh, he who had received the one talent went, dug, a, dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And trusted is a key word. Uh, according to one abil one's ability is also a key word. And you would look at that and you would say, well, uh, the, one per the one that got one talent, he must be all sorts of butthurt that he didn't get as much as anybody else. Like, oh, what a, what a low life. But, but if you look at it, uh, and, and if, you, if some of the commentaries I read, uh, a talent is, not a, a is a measure of money. It's not actually money. A talent of silver, a talent of gold. So depending on what the talent is, that one talent person in today's uh, finances was, could have been considered having given about $250,000. This is an, an incredible sum of money still, depending on what was given. So he was given something that was, they all were given something that was not theirs. They had no initial ownership of it. They were given temporary responsibility of this master's money, which would happen in that day and age. The master would leave and entrust to his entrusted servants um, finances to keep things going. So two of them right away get to work and they double their money. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. One of them decides, you know what? I am going to do really almost nothing with this money except for dig a hole as not to waste it and not to lose it. It makes probably practical sense, but two of them doubled the money. This one person does nothing positive with the money. Two of them hustled, one of them sat on his hands. All, they all have potential, a cool, a potential given to the ability of one, that one had, so they have ability but only two of them lived up to their potential. One of them squandered their potential by sitting on his hands. And we have to ask the question, when we look around at the church, when we look at our, our fellow Christians, how many of us are wasting our God-given potential by sitting on our hands? Today is uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and if you know the passions 
of my heart. You know, Graham said it, another picture of Tom Brady. And I was like, yes, another picture of Tom Brady. But it's not about Tom Brady. Uh, this, is a, this is an illustration about Rob Gronkowski, a man with like this freakish body uh, that, that destroys the NFL when healthy. He's super injury prone. Uh, but he, he, loves to, he loves to party. He, he loves to have a good time. He's, uh, he's known for being a little wild. Uh, and so he, he was open this because he's like, I don't care if I have to retire. If they kick me off the team, whatever, he could care less. Uh, and so he was just open. Now he's in his off season. He was talking about his last off season. And I don't know why he was open about this, but what, but in the last off season, they had to do workouts and they had to videotape all of their workouts every day and send it to the coaches so that the coaches would make sure they were doing their daily workouts. You know what stupid Gronkowski said in an interview? <laughs> he said, I hustled for one day and kept changing my t-shirt. <laughs> and then sent the coaches a workout video in the new t-shirt all from one day of working out so that I could then rest for the rest of the off season. He busted for one day and that was his off season. And so had his coaches been present, he would have acted differently. His coaches would look at him and say, you're squandering talent. It would, be, it would be applicable for us since a talent is a measure. It's a weight that, that we could look at that and reason. This, this is like resources. It's applicable to us to, to look at us and say, hey, the talents that we, that we have in our life is, is the, the resources of our time, the resources of our money, the resources of our abilities, the resources of our power. Not everyone is born with the same talent in that regard. Not everyone is born with the same resources, but the Holy Spirit gives us all talent, resources, and the question becomes, are you using that to build God's kingdom? You do have ability. Everybody's ability might look different, but it all has, as Christians, the same purpose. Build God's, build, build God's kingdom. Here's how this story goes on. Now, not now long after time, the, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy. Catch this of what? The joy of your master. He also said, he also who had two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents here. I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into what? The joy of your master. The master is gone for a long period of time, uh, an undisclosed amount of time, but whatever the time is, it feels like a long time. He's entrusted what is his resources to somebody else, and when he comes back, what has been entrusted is now going to be held accountable. Christ can come back at any moment. The lives, our lives, the time of our lives is ticking away for the opportunities to serve Christ. We could stand before God before this service ends. These two talent guys, these five talent guys, they both doubled the money. This isn't about the money. They both hear the same thing. 
They both entrusted. They both did something risky on paper with the money. And they go before the king, the master, and they both hear the same thing. It, this, is, this, is, this is not about the amount of money that they were able to do, what, uh, that they were able to double it with. No, the fact that they were able to invest and have more is what then the, the master looks at and says, your actions are faithful. Your actions are good. And because of what you have done, how you proceeded, I see that as good and faithful. What you did, how you were responsible with my money that I've entrusted to you is proof of character. And so come enter into the joy of the Lord. I have joy. I, I receive joy from what you have done. And now in return, I share that joy with you. Spurgeon, an early church father, said this of this passage. This is not the servant's portion, but the master's portion shared with his faithful servants. Not so much that we shall have a joy of our own as that we shall enter into the joy of our Lord. Jesus shares the joy that he receives with us. I am uh, uh, great friends with Graham. We have a, a brother-type friendship, and uh, he recently posted uh, this on social media. And knowing Graham, I, I smiled when I read this because I, I, I know Graham, I, if, and if you know Graham, uh, he loves people, and he loves being alone. Uh, if Graham were to go to the extreme of his personality, uh, he might become a hermit. Uh, and uh, he is energized and fueled uh, by sitting back and researching and uh but he he posted this uh it was it's been about a year and a half that he has been had the, the quote-unquote title pastor he says one of my greatest pains since becoming a pastor is allowing myself to truly love and care for uh for people why people hurt sometimes i long for the days that i felt invincible and untouchable not allowing anyone uh in and caring only skin deep instead of heart deep However, that's not a shepherd. In order to lead, you need to love. Learning to love people better has been one of the greatest joys and rewards. Lord, shape my heart into yours, even if it requires a bruised one. If Christ was to come back and examine the life of Graham, Graham instinctively could sit on his hands, take the talents, dig a hole, and bury it. But Graham has a talent. He has a calling. And what I see in here is that if, when he has to give an account, he's going beyond himself to invest into other people, knowing that it will cost him, knowing that it will hurt him. But why? Because he wants to build the kingdom of God. So what are we to do as we wait for the king to return? We are to multiply, <laughs> What is the king expecting of us when he comes back and says, I want to hear an account of your life? Our lives are, point, are supposed to turn to and point towards multiplication. This is one of our values here at Wellspring is that we pray for one. We, we pray for somebody by name that does not, know, does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. We want them to come to know Jesus Christ by faith. We play, pray for people by name. And then we also pray for the opportunity. God, at my Super Bowl party tonight, I pray for the opportunity to share your love. God, when I'm going to that coffee shop tomorrow morning before I go to work, Lord, I pray for an opportunity to share faith. We're always praying that God, use me to build your kingdom. And the question that we see with these two individuals, are you willing to get risky to do so? 
Are you willing to go beyond yourself to do so? Are, are you willing to use your time at the coffee shop, the time at your Super Bowl party? Are you willing to, to say, hey, when the other people are treating my coworker like a jerk, I'm going to be the one to invite them to church and help them find happy and good community. When there's a geometry group project, for me as the Christian, it's not just a group project. It's an opportunity to live out my faith and hope for faith-type conversations. I want the attitude of whatever I have to do to lead as many people to Jesus Christ as quickly as possible because my king can come back at any point. And when you have to give an account of your life, I don't want to be the person to stand before God saying, I never let you use me to lead anybody to faith. <laughs> Your kingdom is not bigger because of my involvement. But the reverse, the positive, if we are kingdom builders, joy, 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 joy. We share in the Father's joy. We sit on our hands, then, then what we see here is it leads to the joyless life. He says, he also who received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, <laughs> reaping where you did not sow and gathering where, where you scattered no seed. And I was, catch that word, <laughs> afraid. <laughs> I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you, here, you have what is yours. But the master answered him, not well done, good and faithful servant, you wicked and slothful, lazy servant. You knew I reap where I did not own, uh, so you, and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with at least interest. He looks at this, this person, and he says, okay, everybody's going to be held accountable. Let me hear your side of it. And he tells an inaccurate or a misguided view of God that he was using to, to justify his unfaithfulness. He says, this, Master, this is what I know of you. Do, you. do you see what he's doing there? He's almost putting the blame on God for being who God is and justifying his own unfaithfulness. He should have had FOMO that old-fashioned phrase of fear of missing out, had he had FOMO of missing out on hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, he would have changed the way he lived. If he had a better understanding of who God was and how God longs to look at each of us and say, well done, well done, well done, May we have a group of Christians raising up in our churches that would fear missing out on hearing those precious words from our Jesus. He looks and he says, no work, no prayer, no, ev no, no evangelism, nothing. And what he sees is I'm going to justify, I'm going to declare that as lazy and slothful and, and the spiritually lazy will have to be reckoned with God. And we don't see that, don't we? Like when we see lazy people, we don't always see lazy Christians as sinful Christians, but that is what Jesus sees. And he looks at this person and says, not only are you not going to hear well done, I'm going to look at you as wicked. This wasn't about doubling the money, but did you do anything? Could you have invested it and at least got interest? You could have done something, but you did nothing. And I will not be pleased with that. As I read this, this portion, and, and it's not like, you know, like we just wake up and, as Christians and like fart rainbows and like every day we're grinding, we got it. <laughs> Like, I, 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 for me, this was when I was in, in college in Philadelphia. 
went to a Christian college. Uh, I worked at American Eagle. I, I Because of the school I went to and, and because of the game, when I wanted to, I could spit. I could talk like the Christian. And so there I am at, at American Eagle. Uh, and this is back in the day where like that month fad where the double collars were and polos were popular. You can Google it. That literally was a thing. Uh, and so Eminem's uh, uh, doing it tonight at the Halftime House Show. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> Anyways, I was working American Eagle, and like people would go out to the bars, go out to the clubs, and things of that nature. And I and and I remember I would always go to work on the weekends, and and then I would live for the party after work. And and, and I remember this time where I was up at the front of the store folding polos, and somebody uh, there was two of us talking, and or three of us, there was a group of three, and we were talking, and and they're talking about the the after party to work, if you will. And uh, and the one person looked at me who wasn't a Christian and said, "Aren't you aren't you a Christian? Is are you supposed to be doing this?" And right away, because I was a person of faith, although I was not living out, I felt a world, a world of just judgment, condemnation, uh, conviction. And I, looked, I remember I looked at this individual and said, I am a Christian, but I am not living it. You cannot look at my life and see Jesus right now. I, ha- I responded very honestly, but then you know what? The conviction of that didn't change me. And as I looked at this verse today or this week, I was like, man, I squandered an opportunity to share Jesus in that chapter of my life. I have to to trust the sovereignty of God, but I also have to wonder in that, with my responsibility of that, how many people could I have led to Jesus Christ in that moment that I squandered that opportunity? The attitude of the wicked servant is how so many people uh, with, like us deal with God today. They'll start to blame God. They'll have an attitude about God, that God is mean or God is unconcerned. And they'll use all of this as an excuse to not get on mission with God. Oh, if God is unloving, I will not build his kingdom. As we value praying for one, if you are not praying for one right now, if you are not having conversations about Jesus, how many of us, it's been what, 40 days in this month have not had one spiritual conversation with an unbeliever this year or in the last 18 months. COVID was primed to have these conversations and how many of us didn't have any? I pray that we fall so in love with Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we can't help talk about him. God has gifted you to build his kingdom. We need more people on mission. Here's, what, here's how the story now concludes. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has been given, uh, he will have what? An abundance. This is the good news. Uh, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, the place of weeping and the gnashing of teeth. I wonder if that third person, as, G- as, as the master was gone doing his travels, was, was thinking, I've done a good thing. The master is going to be so pleased with me. I am safe when the master comes back. But Jesus doesn't grade on a curve. There are no retakes. It wasn't like, hey, you two crushed it, so I must be in by default. He's cast into the outer darkness. Romans talks about that. Romans talks about as as good and gracious as God is, he is also hard. The, the, the hardness of God paints a picture of his, of his deep goodness when we have received the joy of the Lord. This servant is called worthless. And that hit me as much as I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I do not want to be looked at as worthless with what God has entrusted of me. 
but then on the positive, because I know this is a heavy conversation, to the trustworthy and those that live trustworthy, there is much to gain in Christ Jesus. This is, this is about not, not, hey, I'm going to do things to gain. This is about demonstrating what I know and the gratitude that I have for Jesus Christ by living as Jesus would want me to live. This is us demonstrating what we understand of God and there is an eternal destiny that waits all of us. What will your eternity look like? Are you prepared for it? We're getting in into tax season, and uh, my wife is uh, self-employed, and so uh, taxes aren't aren't easy. Uh, she doesn't get taxes automatically taken uh, out of out of her paychecks. Uh, we have to save for that, and that takes diligence when it comes to April fifteenth. Otherwise, there's thousands and thousands of dollars that we owe the government that we have to prepare for. And so I, Ava, every week uh, Thursday texts me, "Hey, this is what I made this week," uh, and then I. I put it into a spreadsheet. Any spreadsheet lovers in the room, uh, we are a wild bunch. Uh, don't text me after 8 p.m. And, uh, and so uh, I put it into a spreadsheet, and then I have equations in the spreadsheet because I am wild. Uh, and it goes, and it takes automatically 25% out for taxes, and then it spits to me a number that we then put into to our budget. And then guess what? The magic of it. <laughs> We never touch the tax money. <laughs> and so uh, when it comes time to pay our taxes, we sit down with our, our financer, a person that does our taxes, and he says, hey, this is roughly what you're going to owe. Do you have that saved? And every time I gleam with joy saying, here is my spreadsheet, <laughs> and this is what we have. And then he looks at me and he says, I wish I lived like you. <laughs> uh, because he is also self-employed, and he spends his entire tax season just putting all of that money in the bank because he did not save for that moment. Ava and I have a future financial reckoning that we don't want to get to January and be like, oh, crap. <laughs> we should start saving. You and I who have said yes to Jesus, you're not invited into a relationship simply to hang in there and, and wait for this all to come to an end. No, we've been invited into a relationship with Jesus to be a warrior for Jesus. To think that Jesus is my payday and a, a little delay is okay. Jesus never looked at, looks at delayed obedience and says, thumbs up. He looks at delayed obedience as sinful. So we cannot delay. We're responsible for what's been entrusted to us. As Ava and I have a weekly habit to, to put away uh, money for a future reckoning financially, this is why we pray for one. It's a daily habit to help us each stand before God and say, God, build your kingdom through me. Because you and I will cross the finish line someday. Will he find you faithful? Will he find your life successful because you have been faithful? I wanted us to kind of walk away with this, with this image and this, this, this phrase, and I wanted to paint it in the positive because I, we as Christians or even as humanity, we can get lost in the negative, worthless this, all, but, but, but you know what? Build God's kingdom and greatly anticipate God looking at you and saying, well done, well done, well done. Abundance awaits the faithful. We're going to be in heaven and the hardships of this life, the worry of being called worthless, that all goes away in the name of Christ Jesus. Build his kingdom. I wish I could go back and tell that 22-year-old punk Jason at American Eagle that the thrill of the party will not last. It will take from you more than it will give you. 
And so now what is my responsibility? Yes, naturally, I can't go back and change that. It was the darkest time of my life. But what I can do is I can look at present 22-year-old punk Jasons, and I can have a conversation and invest into them, hoping that they will see a better way forward, how they can invest their talents into the kingdom of God. And so this week, I had lunch with an old me. I was sitting there across from the table with a, with a punk 22-year-old, somebody with so much talent, similar ages of what I was describing of my past, where I know I had talent, I had job offers and things of that nature that I could have I gone after, but I was squandering every area of my life. And for him, it was, it was the band life. A dude that has so much talent, has truly a record deal, has a producer, has all of these things. And what I saw was a young man battling demons. But when I sat there, I looked at him filled with hope. Because if God got a hold of his life and the abilities that he has, God has given to him, it wouldn't be about the spiritual demons. It would be about stomping those demons and putting a dent in God's kingdom. He's got truly God-given talent. And so I pray and we pray, would God get a hold of his life? And with us, would he knock down the gates of hell and become a demon stomper? If he takes his abilities and his passions, he can use it to build God's kingdom. And that is when that young man, as I have found, he will find joy. He is at, he is at a crossroads where God, God, will you take hold of his life? Will he let God take hold of his life? And if the answer is yes, he will find joy. You walk in here, perhaps at a crossroads, and maybe you don't feel gifted. Maybe you don't see your abilities, but you are gifted. You do have ability. Why? Because I know Jesus has given it to you. And what will you do with it? To walk in here and say, I have no ability. I have no talent. Hear from me. Send that lie back to the pit of hell because Jesus says you are worth dying for and you are somebody that I want to build my kingdom with. And so that is now our challenge to everybody. Have you said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is the spirit of God living inside of you? Then you have a spiritual gift that is yours for the purposes of building God's kingdom. Has he designed you to be hospitable? Has he designed you to be empathetic? Has he designed you to be a leader? Has he designed you to be somebody that can grind out what is meaningless tasks to other people, but is to you it just comes naturally? As he, where, how has he designed you? And the question becomes, will you use that to build God's kingdom? And so my challenge is to do something about your spiritual gifts assessment. It's on the app right now. There's a link to fill this out. <laughs> We're gonna text it out at 11.15. So if you get our text messages, you can plan on a text message at 11.15 with a link to fill out your spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts assessment and it will spit back to you a potential of where God has gifted you. If you don't know what a text message is, then you probably don't know what social media is, but um, it's also on social media. You can fill it out there. And if you don't like text messages, or social media, uh, it will also be emailed out to you. Uh, and if none of that works, see Graham. He loves people. He'd love to talk to you. And, um, and so, uh, but in any regards, 
I invite you to click on that link. I invite you to consider what might be your spiritual gifts and then to prayerfully consider how can I best use those gifts and those talents that God has given me to build the kingdom of God. That's why. Let's pray and then let's sing. God, I thank you for this time. Father, we want to we want to consider it joy to be used by you to enlarge your kingdom. Father, we, we, we want to grow that desire. And Father, for those that are even looking at this and like, I don't, I don't know, Father, I, I pray that the starting point would not just be a, an assessment and then just doing, going through some motions. But Father, right now in this moment, would you not, before we start enlarging your kingdom, would you start enlarging our hearts for you? Would you, Father, would you do a move right now that, that, that would show us and remind us that you don't want to look at us as worthless, Father. You don't want that to be the end all be all, Father, that you want, you want, you want to share your joy with us. Father, would that grow a heart to be used by you and would wellspring be a place where men and women find you, fall in love with you, and then get so uncomfortable sitting on their hands. Would we be a place building your kingdom? One life that matters at a time. You are good and you've been good to us. Help us to build your kingdom. In your name, amen. Amen.